Welcome to 2021 Trial by Fire podcast. These are your hosts, Stacy and Rachel. Hey, Stace, welcome back. Yeah, it's a cold one today here, which we're kind of not used to, but we're here in the bunker and we don't have any heat, so. <laughs> you guys should see, so we where we record is an old portable building, and so there's no real heater, nothing like, or even an AC when it's hot, so Stace was nice enough to bring her heat dish, so we have some warmth today, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, not much though. <laughs> It'll work for us today, but we are so happy to be here with you all. Um, we are glad to be back after a very, it felt like a very up and down holiday break, um, but we're here and we're back to our regular scheduled programming, and so we hope you enjoy what we have to say today. Days, are you ready with some opening prayer? Yeah, so today we're going to take a little bit of a different adventure than we have before, Um it's not necessarily a formal prayer, but today we're going to open up with the first reading from the Office of Readings from the Divine Office today for the first week in Ordinary Time. I can't believe we're back in Ordinary Time. but I know. So the first reading is a reading from the Book of Sirach. Another goes his way, a weakling and a failure, with little strength and great misery. Yet the eyes of the Lord look favorably upon him. He raises him free of vile dust, lifts up his head and exalts him to the amazement of many. Good and evil, life and death, poverty and riches are all from the Lord. Wisdom and understanding and knowledge of affairs, love and virtuous paths are from the Lord. Error and darkness are formed with sinners from their birth, and evil grows old with evildoers. The Lord's gift remains with the just. His favor brings continued success. A man may become rich throughout a miser's life, and this is his allotted reward. When he says, I have found rest, now I will feast on my possessions. He does not know how long it will be till he dies and leaves them to others. My son, hold fast to your duty. Busy yourself with it. Grow old while doing your tasks. Admire not how sinners live, but trust in the Lord and wait for his light. For it is easy with the Lord, suddenly in an instant, to make a poor man rich. God's blessing is the lot of the just man, and in due time his hopes bear fruit. Say not, what do I need? What further pleasure can be mine? Say not, I am independent. What harm can come to me now? The day of prosperity makes one forget adversity, and the day of adversity makes one forget prosperity. For it is easy with the Lord on the day of death, to repay man according to his deeds. A moment's affliction brings forgetfulness of past delights. When a man dies, his life is revealed. Call no man happy before his death, for by how he ends, a man is known. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I I chose that one. It's a lot to kind of delve into, but the reason I chose that one is because we want to take a slight detour today. And I was kind of wondering... Um, if we could discuss why is it so hard to be Catholic? So I, there's like obvious answers to that question, but um, I just wanted to kind of delve into why is it so hard? Why do we fail so much? 
And I think that's such a great topic right at the beginning of the year, uh, because just like from uh, societies of old, you always start the new year with resolutions, right? Like you're always going to try to do better. You're going to improve in a certain way. Um, I know for myself, some have been a hit, some have been a miss this year, uh, trying to make some uh, positive changes in my life. Um, but then usually what happens is you do great first couple days and then crashes and burns and you're left with the bad habits and you're just like, oh shoot, what happened? And so I think that always comes into, in a parallel to trying to be a Catholic as well. You know, like you try to do the right things, you want to be a good Catholic and sometimes you make a misstep and then you're left to drift and then you ask yourself, why is it so hard to be Catholic. Why is that bar so high? Why can't I attain it? And so I think that's just really a great choice for this week because it mirrors a lot of the struggles people are going through now. No, definitely. And I like how, you know, uh, in our reading this morning, it says, say not, what do I need? What further pleasure can be mine? Say not, I am independent. What harm can come to me now? Because I know a lot of times we're tempted to just be like, Okay, what else do I need? Or I, or sometimes we think we know what we need. Like, oh, I need this in particular thing, and it's going to make me so much happier, or it's going to enrich my life, or it's going to make things easier. And then um, if you follow that up with the other statement that says, say not, I am independent, I find that the more and more man thinks that he's independent, his reliance on God definitely wanes, you know. So, and it's almost like a false sense of hope in a sense, because we we get kind of underneath this rules that we can do it all on our own, that it's all uh, what we do, and that couldn't be further from the truth. So I those when I was uh, saying my prayers this morning, uh, those in particular um, excerpts from the passage really kind of hit me kind of hard, you know, because I need to remember because I am super independent and I do, uh, I'm very much a uh, a go getter and I like to you know, do it on my own, so to speak. I'm not against help, but I, I do have this kind of mentality sometimes of, you know, I'll just suck it up and I'll just, you know, put my big boy pants on and I'll get this done. And sometimes, you know, I leave God out of the equation and that's really, you know, I'm missing out on graces or different blessings that I could be uh, obtaining if I wouldn't be so darn pig-headed sometimes. <laughs> so. And I think it's hard too because, you know, independence, especially in this time, is such a valuable uh, uh, trait that people are raising their families to have. It's like, you want to be independent. You don't need anyone. Um, it's definitely a culture right now of self-efficiency. It's no longer just self-efficiency. It's like, I can survive on my own. It's me. Look at me. Um, even down to music, um, you'll hear in the song lyrics where people are like, here I am, look what I did for myself. And you just kind of like, you know, and people will jam be like, yeah, I'm so great. But that isolation that comes with that form of independence does remove the opportunity to gain from other people, to gain from God, to gain from experience and it's kind of you have to kind of remind yourself like it's great to be independent but it's also important to stay humble and recognize what others can bring to the table well definitely and i mean further down in the passage the the subsequent uh phrases are you know the day of prosperity makes one forget adversity 
the day of adversity makes one forget prosperity. And, you know, early in earlier podcasts, I was discussing how I really don't like that whole, you know, like when something bad happens and someone's like, oh, you know, it was God's will. I, I don't think so, because that I, I think that shines a negative light sometimes on our adversity or on our trials. And I think in order to be able to see the grace in adversity, um, you just can't have that kind of, you know, rose colored glasses mentality that, oh, it was God's will, you know, or God helps those who help themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that almost kind of, it, it kind of devalues the trial or the adversity that you're experiencing. Because a lot of times, you know, you, you read about some of the greatest saints and they really had these these kind of gnarly trials and tribulations that brought them to Christ or that made them turn their, their life around. So I think, uh, you know, I think that in this day and age, sometimes it seems like no one wants to have adversity. Like, true adversity. I yep. think that they like the idea of a struggle, but then when faced with the struggle, I don't think that they want anything to do with it. You know what I mean? I think that the, there it's a two-sided coin, because I think some people really just don't want it, and then some have really just become so accustomed to roadblocks that even seeing a pathway to relief makes them hesitant. They're like, oh no, oh no, that's not, re- it's not that easy. It's not that easy to just go down this path and my life's going to be easier. They've been burned so many times by life, by different things that they're just like, oh, no, it can't be that simple. It's just have a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'm from the school of thought that, you know, you just if you want it bad enough, you got to work hard. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to mean it's not going to take you twice as long as it takes other people or, you know, that it's going to be easy. Just because you set your mind to it. I mean, setting your mind to it is the easy part. You know, getting back up after you kind of have fallen several times, that's the difficult part. And I think, you know, a lost aspect too is that when you come out of the adversity or the trial or tribulation or whatever kind of difficult time it was, um, looking back on it in the right frame of mind. I know some people that are maybe counselors or psychiatrists might might kind of frown upon me using that verbiage, the right frame of mind. But I think we have to view our adversities through the right lens, mm-hmm. through a healthy lens. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, when I listen to this reading from Sirach, immediately I'm drawn to um, my favorite film, uh, which I always try to um, live by. Um, it, you've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I always try to ask myself sometimes, like the George Bailey question. Right. Like, what would George do? Because I, you know, I grew up with that as like the standard of like, okay, you know, he hit these trials, he was able to overcome, and you know, no man's a failure without friends. The whole story. Um, but watching it this time around. Uh, this past Christmas, uh, which is always my family tradition of what we do during the holidays, um, and I had bring up my It's a Wonderful Life blanket, and we sit, and um, watching it this time it, through a pandemic, right? So this year, 2020 was really rough, really saw a lot of people struggle. It was not only just a pandemic, it was a very ugly election year, not to mention just personal struggles, everything, and kind of seeing it all hunker down. Um, it couldn't help but make like more personal connections watching it this time, uh, watching this movie and wondering how they, uh, you overcome. 
And the second, you know, this time I really saw that this time when George wasn't turning to people, when he was looking for that missing money, when he didn't turn for help, like the second he started doing that, he started swaying and moving away from even God. He was like doubting God. And he was like, the second he got punched in the face from like a, um, the teacher's wife and then he goes to like dry, <laughs> throw himself off a bridge. You're like, oh my God, like this is so bad. But then, you know, Clarence saw and he fixed him and all this and he had his little story so spoiler alert to anyone who's never seen the film um but you know it couldn't help it when stacy was reading that first reading today it just all tied together that when george realized the love he brought to that community everything you know you grow and you're really emulating what god is setting up for us and so it is, you know, it is important to be independent, but it's also important to recognize those in your community that are lifting you up. No, definitely. And I know for me, one of the reasons that it struck such a strong note with me this morning was because I know almost every time I go to confession, I have to confess that I don't put God first in my decisions. And I mean, that sounds like that's a like a huge deal or whatever, but I struggle to even do it. Obviously, when it's a big decision... For, at least for me, is easier to put him in. But there's so many smaller decisions that I make each and every day that um, I, I don't I don't consider whether you know what God's plan is for me in that, or if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing according to Him. I just kind of make a decision, and this is a real bad habit that I have. That you know, I don't know. I need to get better about. It. I've been trying, but. Uh, I'm not making much headway on it, to be honest, but when it, this was the reading this morning, the first reading from the officer readings, it really got me thinking about that, about putting, uh, you know, working harder to put gaffers in all of my decisions and all of, you know, my actions, because, uh, by the way, this whole this whole uh, episode today is not going to be about this passage from Sirach, but as <laughs> you can tell, it's just one of the ones that I really like a lot. Um, you know, when, when they talk about a moment's affliction brings forgetfulness of past delights. I mean, that's something that I constantly have to keep in mind so that when I am facing something difficult, I try to not forget past graces or blessings. You know what I mean? Because they shouldn't really be fleeting. They should be something for us to fall back on to, to take strength from. That's why I think it's so important to put God in, at least in all of your decisions, small or big, so that when you go back, you're always going back to something good, so to speak. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but you know what I mean? Because we do, we do, there's a lot of mundane things you do during the course of the day where God is the furthest thing from your mind, right? I agree 100% and um, sometimes it's also in the way you perceive and view God because sometimes um, if you view God like a disciplinarian or someone who's like in charge, you're going to view him as like, oh, do I really need that Starbucks? Do I really need that after dinner whiskey that I love? Like, do I really need to do this? Or should I go take a walk? Should I spend an extra 20 minutes on that treadmill? Like, you know, in trying to include him in those decisions, he suddenly becomes this authoritative parental role in your life that you know, sometimes you just don't want to worry about it, especially when you have so many responsibilities. You don't want to fall back on like, well, I don't need to worry about God right now. I just need to do this or I need to get from A to B and I don't, God will take care of the rest. And when you, you know, just that backhanded faith almost, 
Carrie, that could be really troublesome and lead you down a bad re- bad way. Well, I think that's definitely one of the ways it's hard to be Catholic because sometimes it's it's weird. At least to me, it's a weird kind of. I don't even know the word or a great word would be to describe it, but sometimes the most difficult thing is that my humanity gets in the way and I'm just not where I want to be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Other times it's just me being lazy. Like, you know, I get in bed at night and I've not finished or I've not begun my night prayer and I'm just like, I'm so cozy, warm, and I really don't want to get back out and walk all the way to the front of the house. Um... And, by the way, it's not like I have a huge house, but I don't want to walk all the way to the front of the house and go get, you know, my divine office and walk it all the way to the back. Just laziness, you know. My own humanity, sometimes, is the thing that I stumble on the most. Well, Stacey, I've known you for a very long time, and lazy would never be <laughs> a word to describe you, ever. I do feel lazy sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, what? No. I do. I mean, I'm trying to... Somebody was asking me a couple weeks ago, how how much longer do I think I'll be able to keep the pace that I keep now? And I said, I'm going to try to keep the pace until I can't anymore, because there'll come a day when I can't keep a ferocious pace. And um, But right now, I that's just something... That I personally, I like. I like my schedule. I like, you know, I'm super regimented. I feel like my life is pretty good. I mean, there's definitely room for improvement in my spirituality. Uh, you know, in the kind of Catholic that I am, I can be a better Christian. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mentality, I'm going to keep the pace until I can't no more. You know? No, I think that you just said something that <laughs> echoed me so clearly. Um, a lot of people ask me the same thing about the pace I run. Uh, because I have multiple jobs. I'm working on my doctorate. Just trying to uh, keep my head up. have the book out this past year. Trying to manage all those things. And people are like, well, when are you going to slow down? When are you going to slow down? And, you know, the, is marriage in the picture? Are kids in the picture? Are all these big picture things that someone my age normally has and I'm with you Stace I'm gonna keep going until as long as I can and then eventually something's gonna happen to shift it all uh it could happen today it could happen in two years from now but I'm just gonna keep going until I don't yeah and I don't feel like I honestly I don't feel like I'm so over scheduled that I can't appreciate the small things or appreciate um, the different, you know, things that happen in my life. I mean, I try to be real disciplined about not being overscheduled or not having my hands in too many places so that I can, um, you know, so that it's not just about quantity, but it's about quality. Um, I tend to be a perfectionist, so I'll sit there and fool with something until it's just, you know, the way I want. Um, but, I don't feel like I'm a person that's... Because I know people that are like that. They're so busy. They're so overscheduled. I feel like they miss some of the small small graces or blessings or some just the small enjoyments in life. I'm not I'm not that overscheduled. You know, there's a lot of things. Um, I mean, for instance, do I wish there was some more hours in the day? Definitely. Uh, I feel like that almost every day. But I feel like I am slow enough paced that I do enjoy all the good things that come. So, and, and, and that's one of the things I think that's hard about, uh, being a faithful Catholic also is that, you know, uh, taking the time to enjoy, because obviously the big things are, they're easy to enjoy. It's the small things. I mean, we don't always have big things happening each and every day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. 
Well, I think, you know, when you, um, so, so you guys can get an understanding about what's been the past couple weeks for us. Uh, normally when Stace and I do a podcast, we sign it off. We talk about what we're going to do next week. And she and I usually sit and think about it for the week. We plan what we're going to say, or if something's changed, we change the topic by the end of the week. But before we come and record, you know, we think about it. Um, but, you know, we had the holidays and we had some, you know, big ups and downs over here that kept us from recording. And so now we're here. And when Stace brought up the topic of, like, why is it so hard to be Catholic, I laughed. Um, because I had literally, right when she brought up that topic to me, I had been beating myself up because uh, one of my resolutions was I was going to try to be more mindful to attend daily Mass. Um, I really had wanted to do that. I was like, that was going to be my thing. I wanted to be more present. Uh, and because when I teach in the semester, I don't get that opportunity for the most part because, uh, when the outdoor mass is scheduled, I'm lecturing. So I was like, this is going to be my time. I'm going to be here for outdoor mass. I'm so excited to do it. And I did it one day. I made it one, <laughs> and I was so. Well, today's cr- just the twelfth. I mean, it's just a, no. I mean, like I start. I go back in a week to teach, and um, to teach, and it's gonna be right in that time. And I'm like, oh, I rage, you bonehead! Like I can't, <laughs> you know. But you know, it, instead of just throwing away the goal, I have to revise the goal. And I'm like, okay, what can I really do? And I do have a day off in the week. It is Friday. I do try to give myself a day off once a week. Um, so I'm hoping that with that time off on Fridays, I can try to make daily mass. Because uh, that's pretty realistic for me in terms of availability. But it, it is a struggle when you want to be, you want to improve your spiritual gain, right? Like you're like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. And it just falls flat. Like, like, you're just like, oof, like, good job. But you got to get up and um, restructure that goal. Well, we're going to be, Ash Wednesday is, like, right on us. I know. Oh, my we're gosh. We're going to have, like, four more weeks. So before you know it, we're going to we're gonna officially enter the Lent that we kind of feels like we never, ever exit it. You know <laughs> well, I mean? I'm going to be turning to you because Lent is your time, and that's something I've always wanted to improve on is my... Well, I miss, I mean, personally, I miss morning mass. I mean, I used to be a daily mass communicant uh, Monday through Friday. It was just something that I I liked it a lot. It was something, it's something that I definitely really, really miss. Um, Unfortunately, now, the way things have kind of changed here in the parish, I, I mean, I don't get this. That sounds really, this sounds really bad. I guess this is another reason it's hard to be Catholic. I don't get the same feeling by coming at, um, you know, noon here because I feel like I'm always in work mode. Mm. And I don't feel like I can just sit and be quiet. It's, it has nothing to do with, um, with you know, St. Pat's or the priests. Or, it has nothing to do with that. I just find I have a hard time focusing because I feel like I'm just in work mode when I'm here. And I guess that's the selfish part of me because I was so used to going to 8 o'clock at, um, down the road at St. Paul's. And, you know, there's that certain anonymity that I enjoyed there where I could just go. I could be a little early. I could get my confession heard. You know, I could, you know, either say my rosary or, you know, kind of peruse the readings for the day or whatever else it was. But there was that, that kind of, it was definitely 
I guess part of my comfort zone, so to speak, where I was there and I kind of was anonymous and I really, really liked that. Um, but yeah, but I, I'm super uh, pumped that we moved our mass here to, you know, 1210 because I feel like, um, I feel like there's some new faces there mm-hmm. that, you know, some of, we did lose some people because of the time, you know, because of work or something other, but I do feel like there's some people that are now using it, you know, as a time to go to mass that they would have never been able to before. So that, I mean, you know, there's always something positive. And that's one of the things. I have come a couple times here uh, since we've been having it at 12, and they're doing a phenomenal job. I mean, it really, it, it is really great. That's, I mean, please don't anyone think I'm being negative because I'm, I'm not. It's just, it's hard, you know what I mean? Sometimes if you're trying to do, I don't know how to describe it, but, you know, <coughs> you work in a place where you're trying to participate in, so to Well, speak. I think that's a really good point you just made because, you know, in when we talk about prayer, a lot of times, just in routines that we build for ourselves, we have schedule our morning prayers and our before night prayers, right? So yeah. asking yourself to make a pause for prayer midday at twelve ten that is a challenge. It is hard to stop the the machine that is your daily routine to make that slow down and to be like, okay, I'm going to take uh, thirty minutes to an hour and participate in the mass. And shut off my brain and not think about these things. And that's one of the things that's hung me up from fulfilling my resolution to myself spiritually is I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Here I am. Boom. It's like 12.15. And I'm like, I was supposed to be at Mass at 12.10. And you're like, oh, shoot, what happened here? And so... I think that is a it is a special challenge. Um, I have myself have gone to the twelve ten, and I really love it from everything from the location we've chosen, like right underneath the bell with the garden. Yeah. It's a very sacred place. I something where um, I had the fortune of a dear aunt of mine passed away in October, so her funeral was out in that area. So that was the first time I had experienced it in a mass setting, and it was so beautiful. It was something Leona would have absolutely loved. Um, but then going and seeing it was still there for daily mass, I was like, wow, like this is just, it's a new location for me to really surrender myself and participate in the mass. Um, so if you do have the opportunity, it's beautiful. I hope, and this is like fingers crossed here, that when the world does return to some normalcy, we do maintain this 1210 mass as well as reopen the morning one. Just because I think it is so special and it's so important and you don't want to lose that new community that's been built just because we're returning to some normal, you know. And we're really lucky because actually the patio is, our patio area is really beautiful with all the roses and the bougainvillea, the grotto and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're really lucky that we have not just an area that like will quote unquote work for mass. We have like this beautiful area and... I guess I never really thought about it before until just this minute, but, you know, we keep saying, when's it going to end, or we're stuck like this forever. I guess the one silver lining is when the spring comes and our winter is over here, the patio will be even more beautiful than it is now because everything will be starting to bloom again. Uh, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. it is kind of neat that uh, we have, like I said, not just an adequate space, but a beautiful space, you know, because some people, some churches don't have that. 
Well, I think one thing that has changed too, and it's something that I've really appreciated, um, is the outdoor confession as well. Um, it was one of those two, you know, I used to get such high anxiety before going to confession. And it's something that we'll definitely talk about in another podcast about this confession anxiety. But just waiting in the line in the mutely lighted church, waiting to go in with a closed door and you're not seeing, I would just have this freak out for myself. Like, I've done so many wrong things. I don't know what to say. And then I'd say something, either what God wanted me to say or something dumb, like just something really embarrassing. And then I would go out and I'd pray about it, do my penance and leave. Um, but having this outdoor confession, I will never forget the first time I did it outdoor. They utilized that grotto space where we have the yeah. uh, Blessed Mother. You sit there and you sat beside your, the priest safely, of course. And you said it and it was just, it was so special. It was something where when I said it, I really truly felt it was out. It was gone. And I, when I received that healing and that forgiveness, I just sat and I looked at the roses and I did my penance. And I was just so humbled after that experience. Uh, it made me never want to take advantage of that sacrament again because it was, just, it was just so nice. And I know some people may not be like, oh, I don't want Father Beto looking at me or Father Vince or whoever <laughs> it is. But they know. Like, they know anyway. I don't, I don't get that luxury here because if I go behind the screen, they all recognize my voice anyway. Oh, yeah. So, it's like, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> Go to like two towns over and no, hope. <laughs> yeah, there's no anonymity. Uh, but, I mean, that doesn't that part doesn't bug me. But, you know, we keep saying about, you know, why is it hard to be Catholic? And one thing that I'll say about the pandemic is moving to outdoor masses. You know, we we really, we don't have anything fancy going on here. You know, we're in a parking lot on Sundays. You know what I mean? We got an altar. We got a few little decorations. But the one thing that I can appreciate about the simpleness, the stripping down of the liturgy is that um, we're functioning here at St. Patrick's. Like, you know, if, I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but we're really functioning here how we were intended to function. The mass is really standing on its own. Um, all these other things we do are really just inconsequential they may make us feel better they may be um it's probably a bad way to put it but they may be eye candy to us mm-hmm. you know what i mean but we are stripped down just by the very nature of uh, our physical location and it is amazing to see how many people are coming and you know you you hear about the different struggles in the modern church you know, that people are not participating in the sacraments the way they once were. They're not participating in the sacraments the way they should be and these different things. I mean, I have been blown away on Saturdays at confession. I mean, the lines for confession. You know, some people may just look at it like, oh my gosh, you got to wait. That's such a pain. You guys, as faithful Catholics, man, y'all should be drawing strength from that kind of stuff. I know I'm not saying that in a judgmental way or a domineering way. I, I personally draw strength from that because I'm like, wow, look at all these people coming and practicing their faith. There is nothing that could keep them away. Yeah. You know, it is definitely, if you look at it as, oh my gosh, we got to sit six feet apart. Ain't this a pain? If you look at it, you could actually draw a lot of strength from what we're doing right now. You know, the fact that it's, it's stripped down, it's standing on its own, it's such a... 
it, it's a you're watching a miracle the beauty of the mass in 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 and out every single sunday you know what i mean and you're sitting there with you know 200 of your other fellow catholics well i i'm definitely going to be viewed as unpopular after what i'm about to say um but i personally have become a huge fan of the six foot distance per chair at math. And I and I know it sounds so weird to say because, you know, growing up in this parish especially, I remember, you know, when we were really little when my mom would be oh so lucky to get us all in a matching outfit and we'd all be uh, going to mass. I remember walking in through the side door of 1030 mass, having our spot at one part of the pew, looking and seeing like, oh, this family's here, of course, and this family's here and oh, I don't recognize them and like waiting to hear who the celebrant was and you went through that routine and everyone was so glommed together. Then as I got older, I started driving, the girls started driving and, you know, I'd show up a little late to mass and I'd be like, oh shoot, like I didn't get my drink in time and I gotta go. And you walk in and of course my dis disappointed mother is looking at me with the arched eyebrow. I'm looking <laughs> to find their seat and I have to like hobble over. And before, and I never, uh, other than my mother's embarrassment over my tardiness, you know, me stepping over someone wasn't a big deal. It was like, oh, but now... Like, you can't even go within six feet of another person. And you're like, oh, my God, like, get away, you know. And so, you know, having these little locations, almost like a faith pod is the way I view it. I sit in my chair. I'm really in that moment. I'm not worried about being anyone's anything other than God's participant in this mass. I'm really not worried about being anyone's daughter anyone's leader, anyone's caregiver, none of it. When I am attending mass and I sit in my chair and I'm not, you know, I can be sitting near my family, but I'm not sitting with my family. I'm actually much more of a participant in mass than I was because it is literally my own accountability watching and participating. Um, so it is definitely something to where there are some perks that come from all of this. And I think that I, I don't know if anyone else agrees, but really just having my own space to pray and have my own tether to the mass, that has been really special. Well, I mean, it's kind of different for me because I'm in a completely different role than I'm normally in in the parish, like, you know, in the during the pandemic. So the people that I'm fooling with are people that I either never fooled with before or I didn't even know, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And most of the people that I normally help and fool with, I, I really don't see anymore because the younger families have not made a return to Mass. But inadvertently, I've, and I've said this before, I've met some really neat people that I probably, my path would not have crossed because they're much older, they're either much older than me or for whatever reasons, they either don't have kids or their kids are already out of the house, which, you know, just by the very nature of what my title is here means... I would never cross paths with them, but I've met so many neat people, and um, and the other thing, I mean, of course, there's you know there's people that have negative opinions of what we're doing or you know the seating arrangement, but I have heard other people say that they find that they are more focused in mass, mm -hmm. you know, just and I think a lot of it is basically probably uh, this is just my perception, anyways, is is basically because of what you just said. Because you are six feet, it's you're not looking at whatever whoever you're sitting aside. 
they're not so close that you can see every one of their movements and you're not distracted. It's like I was talking about earlier when I said my humanity sometimes gets in the way of what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's very much part of it. And I see, I actually think that it's been good for us as Catholics, this pandemic, because I see people, I wouldn't say they're having to work harder for their spirituality. I just see them with not, oh, basically with not as many distractions. You see them coming with their with their magnificats, their missiles, the word among us, or you see them coming with their phones and they've got these apps. And it's like, it's like the funniest thing ever when you, I'm not going to say old because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I hope to be, to grow old one day. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you see these older people and they have like iPhones or they got like an Android and they're like sharing with each other like, hey, you should get this app because you can have all the prayers for mass. And I just think it's the coolest thing ever because they're, they're more immersed in the mass. I, I would actually categorize it as they're not going to mass anymore. Yeah. They're like attending. They're present. And it's kind of neat, right? Because um, then when it, you know, when we finally, the time comes and we do go back to quote unquote normal, you know, they're going to have this great time to, to fall back on where, you know, they spent this year where, you know, they were actually reading the readings beforehand or reading the readings as they were uh, read, you know, as they were proclaimed. Uh, all these different things that people, you find that they're kind of, it's almost like this renewing, this reawakening of their Catholicism. Uh, something that maybe had they hadn't left behind, but maybe it was just like a little stale. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're kind of now peppering in all these different things, and they're like, wow, you know, I, I found a whole new dimension to my faith. Well, I think that's one thing that, I find really interesting um, because we keep going. It's like, why is it so hard to be Catholic? And given this time where, you know, all of our external structures have essentially been torn down, right? Like people aren't having to go to work. People aren't just quote unquote distracted. You know, you, everything has been all the norm from before March 15th, 2020 has been removed. And if there is still not room to attend mass, to pray, to include God, it's a it's a kind of a bitter awakening that you need to kind of you know people need to shift their priority. You know they can be Catholic by name but not by action, and I think that for a lot of people they kind of stumbled on that fact for themselves and they're trying to readjust and include it more and not just be Catholic by name. Uh, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to accept when you have fallen stray, especially when you believe you've been doing good. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm totally Catholic. Or, oh, yeah, I've absolutely done it. Um, I, I think for a lot of people, you know, be, working with my teenagers this, you know, this year has been so interesting because we are in the pandemic. And um, we ended, we had our Christmas party in December. And they'd come back on the 24th. You know, because I knew, like, the transition back would be hard. So I moved away so they weren't immediately dove into the computer. Um, but one thing that was such a eye-opener for me was I got all these emails starting last week. Is confirmation back? Is it back? Are we ready? Um, it's Sunday. We're about ready to log on. I, I won't see you here. I'm like, oh, no, we come back the 24th. Like, we have time. And like, oh, my gosh, my child was so anxious. They were really looking forward to coming back. <laughs> And I, you know, that didn't even happen last year. 
last year when we were in person, it's like I put the reminder out and they were like, oh man, it's today. I totally forgot. But this time I've seen these teens. They're like, well, I'm ready. I'm ready for my Zoom time for faith. I'm ready for this. And it really took me by surprise. I was not prepared for that. Um, but it makes me feel good knowing that, you know, this new younger generation of Catholics are thirsting for that community, even if it is through a computer right now. They are thirsting to grow and learn together. And I will admit, every time I don't see them, even for a week, when they log on the computers, due to the nature of their age and puberty, I'm getting a new child every week. I'm like, oh my God, what happened to you? And like, they're growing. So <laughs> it's going to be very interesting eventually when we're all in person. But it, it did make my heart feel good knowing that we had these um, resilient teens that are eager to just turn their zoom back on and i think the one thing that and i don't know how many people out there have thought about this but i think the one thing that's gonna gonna be a really really interesting dimension of this is that there's all these people that you know that you haven't seen right you haven't seen throughout this i mean i just made the comment like a couple months ago or a couple minutes ago that you know our younger families haven't made a return to mass you know and i'm saying that as just you know a collective statement like a blanket statement i mean we do have some young families but anyways i what i think is going to be an underestimated aspect and a very interesting dimension of this whole thing is that when things do loosen up and we return to normal how many people are going to come back and will be like hey we watched the stream every single sunday that was the coolest thing ever or you know we've been doing this on our own I think that that's going to be uh, really interesting to see, yeah. to hear the stories of people who you just thought, oh, I don't know what they're up to, or I haven't seen them, or they're not doing anything, and they're going to come back and blow you out of the water with what they were doing, right? Or how they grew spiritually, just because you didn't see them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to gain their perspective, especially in the younger, younger kids, because, you know, I remember growing up, Fear wasn't something that was really on my mind. Uh, whether it was just like the structure of like the support I had from home, the support I had in church, fear really didn't start playing a factor for me until I was around like 11 or 12. And even at that, I was like more insecurity than fear than anything else. I had no else, fear. That's right? why I was so bad. Right? It was like, I had no fear. But we have these kids right now, really young, that are being raised in this like societal culture of fear of like, don't go near them because of a virus. Don't go near them because you don't know what they have. And, you know, I'm hearing it in the vocabulary of these younger kids that I know and love that they're like, oh, I don't know them. I don't, they have this little distance. Um... So it's going to be really interesting to see the insights that they have after surviving this at their age. Yeah. Kind of seeing how they treat each other after this. If there is like, oh my God, I'm going to hug you because I haven't seen you in over a year. Or the elbows, the high five, the distance. It's going to be very odd. Well, I don't think, you know, I think a lot of people are ready. We always say we're ready for it to be over and all this stuff. I don't know how many people have actually really thought about the fact that, you know, it could end today, all end today at 5 o'clock this afternoon. But are we going to wake up tomorrow on Wednesday and think that everything's just going to slip back? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think so. You know what I mean? I, there's going to be, you know, consequences from all this 
that is not going to rectify itself by mandates disappearing or us going back to different things that look familiar, whether it be, you know, not having to wait in line to get in Trader Joe's or, you know, whether it be mass going back inside the actual church. You know what I mean? But I, I um, you know, as we're talking about why is it so hard to be Catholic, you know, I think about all the people who haven't come back yet who are kind of doing their own thing, you know, at home. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but they're doing their own thing at home. Are we going to be prepared as church to take them back, to give them? Because, you know, who knows? Up until this point, they might have not known what they were missing out. Or maybe faith wasn't a part of their life. They were like, you know, you mentioned Catholic only in name or maybe only in passing. But now, because so many people have reprioritized, are we going to be ready to handle, you know, the influx that we get? Are we going to be able to meet their needs? Mm-hmm. You know, because if, it, let's face it, if you were disciplined enough to watch a, a streamed mass every Sunday, you know what I mean? Or you were doing some kind of basic catechesis with your kids, that's a big commitment, man. And are we going to be ready and we're going to be equipped to handle that when, when, the, when we open our doors again? Yeah, I, I think I, it's still so unknown. Like, what's going to happen when things transition? And the fact is, uh, you know, every... I, I feel like every six hours, I find out something new or something that's happened in the world or in our country or in our county. And I just go, oh, really... And I have to restructure all my plans. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm always like, oh, well, there went that. And so, you know, I think that a lot of this is like, a, a, you know, why it's so hard to be Catholic. One of the things I feel God always presses on me that I resist is the ability to let go of my control. Um, I am a very controlling personality. Uh, I like things my way or like, I feel that I'm like, oh, if you saw it my way and you did it like this, of course you'll be happier. Of course you'll have the solution. And when people don't listen to me, I get mad. And I'm like, oh, and that's very, something that I feel God's always challenging me to improve on. Because I I don't listen to him when, especially when it's, I am being very stubborn about something. And very obviously God is closing that door. He's like, nope, you need to redirect. Nope, you need to do this. And I'm still pushing through the door that God is very effectively closed. He's like, nah, Rach, like, no, don't do it. Nah, like, and I'm fighting through against a stone wall that only God could break down. And so it, I think that's something that, you know, it's hard to be Catholic because we have the, as Stacy mentioned, this humanity that turns against us sometimes. You know, I have my very human stubbornness that really wants it my way, but that's not necessarily God's way. Oh, we you get married. That's, uh, yeah. The whole, <laughs> it can't be just your way. Yeah. That's a, that's uh can be difficult if you're a controlling person. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I, you know. When I started thinking about the topic for today and I was thinking about why is it so hard to be Catholic, I mean, I guess some people that are listening probably think I'm just this lazy, no good lop, right? But it's like some of the things are, are trivial. I mean, yeah, you know, after supper, do you have another bourbon? Mm, probably shouldn't, but it, but it is going down pretty smooth. You know, um, are you going to have another plate of food? 
I'm kind of full, but it tastes really good. I mean, it's hard to do the right thing, you know. But And I know people are listening and they're like, well, that's just trivial. Those are small things. But I'm a firm believer that if you can't do the small things, you'll never handle the big things. Well, small things always add up to the big things, right? Yeah. Like, if you can't have the discipline to manage the small, when it comes to a big thing, you're the chances of crumbling are significantly higher. Uh, one of the things that I will say, I'm pretty proud of myself um, for this resolution. Uh, I started drinking a gallon of water a day. I bought one of those um, gallons that have the time markers. Mm-hmm. And just like I mentioned, my controlling personality, if you give me like a little time slots that I compete with myself for, Oh, it, it's on. That's and a lot of water. It is. I've been uh, successful every day in 2021 so far. has been a full gallon plus of water. Uh, but what I wasn't prepared for is how it's minimized my coffee intake. So before, I was drinking coffee all day. Like, it wouldn't matter what time I was oh, drinking no, it. Oh, I only have coffee in the morning. Oh, I drink it. All day, and it was especially if I went to Starbucks, it would never just be the drink it was. I'd always have a minimum of four shots of espresso in my drink, and I would just back <laughs> and back, and like those were my thing. And um, one thing I've noticed is because I'm drinking that gallon of water, my need for the coffee has decreased. Now, the, at the beginning, the caffeine headaches were awful. Oh, my God. I would just sit there and cry and be like, I need a coffee, and I'd grab it. <laughs> um, but it is very interesting that, you know, I used to always say, oh, I'm always going to have coffee. I even have a coffee cup tattoo on my body, guys. Like, it's right on my finger. It's a little coffee cup. And so, not that I've given up coffee, but my need and my dependence of it has reduced because I've shifted to this better habit of drinking a gallon of water. And it's so hard because, just like Stace mentioned that uh, after dinner bourbon, I'm very guilty of that. That is definitely my go-to as well. But shifting your priority, you know, it is hard to be a Catholic because it is very challenging to make the wiser choice oh yeah especially if you're the only uh another way i find it hard difficult to be catholic is when you're the only catholic in the group mm-hmm. or the only practicing catholic in the group you know what i mean yep that whatever decision it is is amplified by the fact that you know you're odd man out and, and everybody else is thinking it and they're waiting to see what you do and what they and i don't know if you've ever been in this position stace but sometimes when you're a Catholic, and you're a proud Catholic, but then when you're in a group of non-Catholics, I always feel like I'm Peter when he denies Jesus three times, like, and he goes through here, because I'm not outwardly not saying I'm not Catholic, because I am, I'm very Catholic, but I'm not proudly saying or acting as a Catholic either. Like, sometimes I'll just act, and I did it. It's not, like, it's just, it's, how would I say it? It's like passive denial Oh, I just feel like, oh, yeah, I wish I could have that one back. Yep. And I just go, oh, (laughs) my God. And sometimes I just feel so, especially when I'm with friends or family that don't practice or are not, you know, they they don't act and they kind of turn to me. And if I'm not stopping their behavior, I'm just complicit or participating. Then I go, oh, shoot. Like, sometimes that, that really resonates with me sometimes when Peter denied him three times and then goes, oh, man, I did that. Sometimes I catch myself doing that, and I'm like, oh, 
Oh, I've been That's there. That's why I always think it's so funny when people uh, people will say how difficult it is to be a practicing Catholic in this day and age, but then they're quick to assume that if they lived in the time of Christ that they would have recognized him. I'm like, really? Because I know I wouldn't have. Oh, I'd no. have probably been over there throwing the stones or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, because I, A, I'm not always the best person, and B, I mean, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't think I would have recognized. I mean, I would like to say that I would have, but, you know, it's difficult. And who wants to always do the right thing? I don't. No. I just said that, by the way, so. <laughs> no, I don't either. I don't it always. is so hard. It is so hard always having to go back and make the right call. And you're like, oh, why do I have to be the better person? Why do I have to do this? It's just, it can get very daunting sometimes. No, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, and, and you know, sometimes we think that just by making the right decisions that it will make our life easier, which it does, but it's still sometimes, it's still like pulling teeth during the process. Oh, and the resentment. The resentment of making the right choice is like, I know I'm going to do that. I'm still mad. And like that resentment, it's yeah. not, you're not doing it with grace at all. And anyone that knows me, especially if I'm, it's really a decision I don't want to make. Unfortunately, that bitterness and resentment can rear its head. And I'm like, oof, I probably shouldn't have acted that way. But it's, it's Oh, yeah, over. I do a lot of apologizing, you know. Yeah. Because I, I don't think sometimes before I even speak or I don't think before I act or whatever it is, you know, but. It's definitely interesting. It's, it's, it's so funny because this question when <laughs> you first brought it, why is it so hard to be Catholic? When I first read it, I'm like, oh, that's going to be 15 minutes. Like, oh, it will be easy like talk about it. But we're almost at our hour. And I'm like, yeah. wow, like we are barely scratching the surface and thank you for not saying that the truth will set you free oh ew because oh, God. i might have came partially unglued on that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't like cliches uh i'm not that kind of person uh so that would never have come from me at all and um the truth oh no no one wants no one ever wants to know the real truth and if anyone you know and i will definitely People are not prepared mentally, emotionally, spiritually to accept real truth sometimes. Because oh, yeah. it, whether it is through their lack of experience or burnt experience, if truth was before them, they're never going to accept it as it is. Because there's always going to be doubt. And that's, that can be a real bear to stomach sometimes. So let's switch gears because... We did talk about some negative things today. Shocker. <laughs> but, um, you know, one thing that uh, I want to kind of expose, because I know we got, like, a lot of California listeners. So, we already celebrated Epiphany, right? Mm-hmm. So, now we're into uh, king cake season, if you're from Louisiana. Woo-woo, king's cake. So, um, you know, this is something, this is a long-standing tradition in South Louisiana, um, it's actually rooted uh, kind of in Christianity, in a sense. I mean, the colors on the king cake, you know, you have the uh, purple for justice, the green for faith, the gold for power, uh, you know, the little baby that's hidden inside the king cake. So, what I, I also, we're not sponsored by any of the people that I'm going to, uh, that I'm going to advertise here, but... If you're listening and you want a true, authentic uh, Louisiana king cake, you want to experience, you know, 
just something really authentic from the deep south go online and go to either Manny Randazzle's go to uh, Rouse's or um, there's, a, there's a couple other good ones and blanking but those are two of my favorites but go and get yourself a king cake and do it with your family um, do it you know, this fat Tuesday uh, no way that's too far away you can do it sooner once once you have epiphany king cakes carnival season starts king cake season what? starts so from january 6 all the way to um well till mardi gras i well, didn't know i thought you it was can, only no. for fat tuesday at least that's how we do it no because what happens is is that whoever gets the baby uh has to host the next party and they have to buy the next cake mm. so you have cakes all throughout you know, oh, carnival neat. season, yeah. So, and you can get them, you know, like an original one, or you can get them, you can get it stuffed. Uh, you know, in my house, they tend to like the Bavarian cream from Rouse's. Um, so you can get them local here, Central Coast, which is really nice. You can get it at uh, uh, Rio Grande Bakery, Asano Bakery on the Mesa. Here, here comes the hate mail. You guys just go online. Hey, no, online's go, good. My mom does it online. Too. Go online. So, because, Los Osos does one, too. Because it won't taste the same is, is from there. But, uh, yeah, I guess if you want to slum it, that sounds really bad. You can go to AG Bakery. Uh, yeah, no. but no, it's a great it's a great tradition. Um, you know, it, it eats kind of like a coffee cake. It's so good. Yeah, it is, a, and it's something that I. Uh, that's one thing I've been trying to give up this year is more bread. Like I've been not beating myself up if I eat bread, but it's been a little less. Um, but that king's cake, oh, I can't wait. I will definitely have a piece of that. Yeah, I mean, you can get it stuffed with lots of different things. You can get pecans in there. You get pralines. You get whatever you want. Uh, you know, but. Um, it's good. It's definitely a good, and it, it would be, since everybody, a lot of people are still, you know, sequestered, they're in quarantine, it would be a good, uh, kind of, maybe a new tradition for your families to start. Well, I know that uh, dad, um, my father, he went to mass and father Vincent talks about someone who had a king's cake and he didn't want to take a bite. And so he knew his piece had the baby Jesus and he didn't want to tell it. So he swallowed it. And he just ate yeah. the Jesus. And he thought that Father Vince thought that was the funniest story. And so my dad echoed it. And so now we just know about some person who was did not want to host a party. So he ate the baby Jesus. So guys, don't swallow it. It's plastic. It's like a mighty little piece. Yeah, it looks like it would be painful if you swallow it's it. It's a choking hazard. So please don't. But it was pretty funny. It was definitely a pretty funny experience. Well, it, it, well, it is part of the, uh, I forget what they call it, but it is part of the Mexican tradition I don't think that they do it quite as long as, as we do it, but it is uh, similar. And I think the bread is just a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, so there's a good tradition. And I just wanted to kind of end on a positive note. You guys could experience something. Y'all could, you know, be exposed or experience something that maybe you hadn't yet. And so that's where, you know, well, Stace and I were talking about it before the break. And one of the things that we want to do, because our listeners are so amazing, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you guys want to talk about, what you guys want to hear us chat about. And so um, through our Instagram, through our uh, Facebook our Simple Castings, all the platforms, um, this is your time to tell us, what do you want us to chat about? What do you want our conversations to be? 
Um, we kind of really have this luxury now before Lent to where, you know, uh, and I think uh, Stacy and I, when we started the podcast, uh, one of the things both of us did is we didn't want a structure like this is what we're going to talk about this week, this week, this week. Uh, because then it was kind of like going to ruin the fun almost. Like it was just going to be too much pressure. And we'd be like, oh, man, we don't want to talk about this today. Let's switch. And so now that we're, this is our 12th podcast. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That's crazy. It's our 12th one. 12th on the 12th. It's good luck, right? And so knowing that and trying to think about what we're going to be discussing, it's not your guys' turn. We want to hear from you guys. What questions do you have for us? What topic do you want us to tackle? Um, we loved having Father Beto here last time. Do you want him back? What do you want to ask him? What topic do you want us to delve on? So this is your opportunity to turn to us. So take the opportunity this week. Uh, respond to us on our Facebook, our Instagram, our Simplecast, and let us know what you want to talk about because this is, you know, one of the great perks is expanding our community to you guys. So please, please, please be a part of this journey with us. And thank you in advance for all, all your prayers and your love and your support for us the whole way. Okay, and my, my mental fog is over, by the way. Yeah, you can also try Gambinos or, <laughs> or Canadas. Those are great... Uh, those are great king cakes. And and, and just so I, I didn't seem too negative, I have had the cake from Royal Granny Bakery. I have had the one from Los Osos. They're not bad. It's just it's just it's not the same thing. So I just want didn't want to give them negative PR thinking that they had bad products because everything that I've had from either one of those bakeries has been wonderful. It's just not you know it's the not same. what you grew up with. It's, it's not, not the same as from home. But, yeah, I was, I, that was bugging me. I'm sorry, y'all. That was bugging me because I'm a super big supporter of local business and things like that. We're <laughs> a real big advocate of buying, you know, shopping local. So I didn't want to. Uh, well, guys, we're officially black back eye. because the tangents of return. <laughs> well, that's on my mind today. And you can see where my priorities. Gabe just asked me. He goes, are we getting a cake? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I got a lot of things to do today. And he's like, I know, but are we getting a king cake? Because I got to go back to work tomorrow. I'm like, well, uh, it ain't going to be here today. No, not if you order it today. It'll be there after shift then. Yeah, it, it usually just takes a couple of days. Nice. So you sometimes you can get next day delivery for not that much. Well, you're going to have to tell me when yours arrives because I'm definitely coming over for a slot. I actually make mine sometimes from scratch. What? From home, <gasps> like homemade. Ooh. All right, you guys. Well, thank you again so much for listening. I'm going to go ahead and give us our closing prayer today. Um, so to, you know, kind of touch back on the difficulties of being Catholic, just remember we're all in it together. This is an amazing faith community, and we are always here. He said you were not about cliches. You just said we're all in it together. Ew! Ah, oh, man. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Continue. I didn't even realize I said gross. I'm sorry. Ugh. Okay, I'm going to pray and totally not do this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, I pray for healing and comfort to anyone dealing with heartache and struggle at this time. I pray that they find refuge in you in the midst of their pain and anxiety. May you continue to give them strength to keep going, to push through these dark moments, and know you are with them with every step of the way. In your name we are grateful. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Guys, after that awful cliche, I'm so glad that closing prayer was better. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been Rachel and Stacy with Trial by Fire. Have an amazing week. See y'all next time. Hilarious.